In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our epistle says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Deacon Blake pointed out last week that in the early church, the season of Easter was a period of instruction for those who had been baptized on Easter even. This practice is itself instructive for us. We tend to think of people being instructed before baptism and confirmation. The ancient practice of the church makes it clear that the church has always understood becoming a Christian to be the beginning of a whole new season of education. We enter into the church's historical experience of Easter tide by living in a new way during the season. We renewed our baptismal vows at Easter. We should look at Easter tide as a time to grow as disciples, to consider and put into practice in new ways the implications of what it means to be risen with Christ. Learning to be better disciples means learning to live within the story that God has written and is writing for his people. God has redeemed the world in Christ and is making all things new. God is taking the disorder, chaos, and sin of our lives and by the blood of Christ, by the word of God, by the new breath of the Holy Spirit, he is bringing forth the order and beauty of his new creation. Baptism brings us into this new story. However, we haven't yet fully integrated our lives into the story of the new creation. We are still influenced by the old story of the world. This is the story of the fall and of human striving to overcome the influence and consequences of sin. This striving always ends in the failure called death. Success and well-being in this old story are determined by external measurements, health, wealth, and appearance. The story is governed by a fear of death and by a desire to avoid discomfort, suffering, and pain, for these things all point to and remind us of death. When we live in the midst of both of these stories, the tendency of discipleship is this. We will take the principles and promises of God's story and attempt to graft them into the stories of our lives in the world. The promises and principles of the kingdom will be used in service to the pursuit of worldly happiness. The new story will be made to serve the old story. The inherent conflict 
in this enterprise is often masked by the fact that this grafting frequently works. Many biblical principles and promises do help us in our life in the world. However, eventually, we will all experience some pain, misfortune, or failure that God does not take away from us. This will lead many to reject the faith because they will determine that it didn't work. That is, they will reject the new story because it no longer has a positive impact on the old story. As we mature in the faith, we come to understand that the Son of God did not become man, die for our sins, and rise from the dead, merely to help us manage life in the world. We have been called out of the story of the world and brought into the new story of God's people. For those who are serious about living in Christ and making progress in the faith, the work of exegesis and application works in the other direction. That is, we must take all of the various circumstances of life, pains, failures, successes, pleasures, activities, and begin to look at them in the light of God's story and God's kingdom. In our epistle, St. Peter calls his readers strangers and pilgrims. These words refer to a person living in a given area without any rights of citizenship or property ownership. Another title for this is resident alien. In using these particular words, St. Peter is connecting the story of his readers and us to the story of Abraham, who describes himself in similar fashion in Genesis 23-4. Abraham lived in the promised land, but he was never a citizen and he never owned any property except for a burial cave that he purchased from the natives, which is a symbol of the resurrection hope of Israel. The status of resident alien governs the story of God's people in the world. We will ultimately inherit the new heavens and the new earth, but we have no enduring possession here and now. The only thing that endures with us into eternity is the record of what we did with the temporary possessions and gifts that God has given us and the record of our faithfulness in our circumstances, whatever they may be. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, Revelation tells us, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. If we live in the world's story, we lose everything at death. If we live in God's story, we keep 
everything we have done unto eternity. Christian morality only makes sense if we are living in God's story. St. Peter says, abstain from fleshly lusts. He is instructing us that, as God's new people, living in God's new creation, our happiness is not to be found in a lack of self-control. Disordered desire is a liar. It promises us great satisfaction, but when we give into it and attempt to gratify it, we discover only guilt and emptiness. This is consistent with the narrative of redemption and new creation. Nothing here lasts. However, those who live in the world story will always struggle with Christian morality. For they will hear it as God telling them not to do and pursue the very things they think are the ultimate goals of life. Our behavior will be determined by the story in which we live. If we are conscious of being the new Israel, redeemed from bondage to Satan, sin, and death by the blood of the Lamb of God, moving through the wilderness of this world to the promised land, if we understand that we are citizens of another kingdom with no enduring possession here, if indeed, as we claim each week, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, then obedience, faithfulness, mission, and service will be natural for us. And suffering and death will be experienced as things that we have already overcome through baptism and faith. However, if we are still living in the world's story, if our ultimate aim or goal is something we want to achieve or acquire in this world, then the promises of the kingdom will always seem a bit like pie in the sky. And the demands of discipleship will inevitably give way to the pursuit of some form of happiness in this world. Hebrews says of the great saints of the Old Testament, quote, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.